0: I'm Susie Landolfi, and welcome to Be Crazy Well. Now, why would a therapist say that? Because we all have mental health struggles, even therapists. The good news is we have so much more information about how we can be crazy well. On my podcast, we don't focus on what's wrong with us. We want to know what happened to us. We're going to explore how trauma affected us, both negatively and positively. That's right. I said positively. It's called post-traumatic growth, and it's a real thing. Be Crazy Well will share mental health wellness practices, the newest mental health research, and most importantly, how we all get to create the person we deserve to be and the life we deserve to live. So join the mental health evolution and be crazy well. Good morning. Good afternoon. Whenever you're listening to this, and I just want to say I'm struggling right now. That's right. I'm struggling. The therapist is struggling. Don't trust a therapist that doesn't say they struggle once in a while, or maybe even a lot. Because life does that. How and what in the world made me ever think that the struggle would stop? Uh, I'm now realizing everything's like salsa. And what I mean by that is things don't stop. They're either mild, moderate, or severe. And I get to manage that I don't get to manage other people. I get to manage how I respond. I've been working with this family, uh, a mother and two daughters. Dad is passed. Um, and I had an interesting moment with them yesterday because I had a mother, an older sister, and then me. And we spent a lot of time together because my mom and dad were divorced. And I was looking at them going, oh my God, I'm looking at my childhood. I'm looking at them going, geez, Louise, this is something I went through. Uh, one of the daughters is drinking a lot. That would be my sister in, in this this scenario. And the older sister, um, my sister was older. I was younger. My sister was the one that struggled with drinking and hurting herself from her trauma. And it's the opposite in this particular scenario. The older sister is trying to help and and care for and keep alive the younger sister. And the mother, of course, is, is there as well. And she said something interesting yesterday to me, the mother, that made me realize more about helping others than almost anybody has ever said to me. She said, I devoted and sacrificed my whole life for this child. And I was thinking about all the animals that I've had, and I have seen mothers go out of their way, um, mares with foals. If you watch any kind of YouTube about animals, which I do, you'll see mothers go beyond uh, trying to protect their child. At the same time, they also are teaching the child how to be on its own. Like literally, I watched a raccoon mother push a baby raccoon up a tree. And every time it started to crawl up the tree, it just let go and fell off as if to say, I'm not doing this and you can carry me up. And the mother picked that baby raccoon up and put it back on the tree and got underneath its butt and pushed that little raccoon up there. And that raccoon uh, resisted for a while. Mother didn't stop. And then the raccoon climbed up that tree. And I remember when my grandson got leukemia and when he was probably only three, you know, when they're really understanding all the sentences, maybe two and a half, I taught him a mantra. I said, Logan, Jima's uh, uh, job, that's what he called me, Jima said, my job is to keep you safe. Tell me that back. And he'd say, your job is to keep me safe. And like, that's right. So if I tell you no, it's because I see something that's unsafe. So that went on for a couple of years until he got leukemia. And then the, the gut punch was, oh, my goodness, I cannot keep him safe from everything. And then I was thinking, that isn't my job. And my, it was like a, an explosion inside of my head. And I, I went and I said, Logan, I was wrong. It's very important when you make a mistake is to tell children that you made a mistake. He goes, what's that, Gma?" And I said, well, remember, I used to tell you my job is to keep you safe. And he said, yes. And I go, well, I made a mistake. I was wrong. My job is to teach you how to keep yourself safe. And I remember him kind of looking at me. And I said, so I'm going to teach you some things I know about being safe. Physically, emotionally, intellectually, spiritually, and even financially. Now, I didn't tell him that part because he was still pretty young. And that's what I thought, though. I thought, oh, wow, this is going to be not a control situation. Holding my grandson hostage. This will be about me helping him navigate that tree. So that when I'm not around, that little raccoon boy can climb that tree and get out of the way of whatever predator is there and it also will make him stronger to know that he can climb the tree by himself that i'm not now he's 18 picking him up and with my teeth and dragging him up that tree so i tell you all this because yesterday when i heard that from that mother and here is this young woman drinking herself to death her child her daughter and i thought what is it about this moment that that mother still didn't understand that her sacrifice um, n- never doing anything for herself, helping this daughter navigate the entertainment world, having her navigate all these things and doing everything for her, actually hurt her more than help her. And it certainly didn't keep her safe. In fact, what the young woman learned was a thing called learned helplessness. And it's a real thing, by the way. Look it up learned helplessness, that we literally use our children to boost our value. That the more I do for my child, the more I get value from what they do after. Now, what's the problem with that? Some people say your parents should be devoted to their child. Well, what's the difference about using a car very fancy car that maybe you can't afford and driving around in to make you look more valuable to pretend to people that you know the car is who you are and i say that with all due respect i'm not against fancy cars what i am against is this idea that somehow we live through somebody else it's like when parents tell me oh my daughter just got into harvard and i usually respond with oh did you get into Harvard? And they'll go, no, no, no. My daughter got into Harvard. And I'd say, well, then why are you telling me? And then there's this look of horror. I know it's a little harsh. And that's okay. I'm getting older. I'm, I haven't got time. I got to get this shit out. Anyway, I said, look, let her tell everybody what she did. Let her tell you even if, well, I'm paying for it and I was the one that made her sit down and do this and I was the one that liked this. And I'm I'm going, yeah, but that may not have been the best thing for her. You may think it's the best thing for her that she got into Harvard, but she may get to Harvard and realize, you know what? I really don't want to be here. This was not what I really wanted to do. This was more important for my parents for me to get into Harvard than for me to get there. Actually, what I wanted to do was go open a little knitting store. That's really what I wanted to do. And yet the pressure was too great. So here I am dealing with this young woman, drinking herself to death. And she was very successful in the entertainment business. And I'm thinking, you know, I don't even know that she wanted to do that. I am not clear. And I actually said that to her. I said, maybe you didn't want to do that. Maybe the pressure from mom, um, was that, wow, the more you did this, the more mom was happy. Maybe what we teach our kids is how to make us happy, not how to make themselves happy. And I was, the second thing that happened on this this call with mom and the um, sister was resentment. I heard the depths of resentment from those two wonderful women who are struggling mightily with the, with the possible loss of a sister and daughter and yet i heard such deep resentment now most of you know that if you listen to me i'm you know talk a lot about the three primary emotions so the three primary emotions are like three primary colors very simple concept If you're only going to get three crayons or three pots of paint, here's the three you should ask for. Red, yellow, and blue. Now, why would you ask for those three? Because if you put blue and yellow together, you'll get green. If you put blue and red together, you'll get purple. If you put red and yellow together, you'll get orange. So with three pots, you actually got six colors. And if you mix them all together, you'll have brown. And so you can't make red, you can't make yellow, you can't make blue. So those would be considered primary. They are the ingredients that make other colors. And if I said to you, hey, I need you to to manage that purple over there. You need to like change it. If I don't give you red and blue, you cannot manage it. And so when I give people this idea that if you think about it, there's only three primary emotions. And when I ask people that, I usually hear happy, sad, and angry. Those are like the three that I get more than anything else. And then I say, what about fear? And they go, oh yeah, fear. Oh, but now there's four. So we go back and I go back over the idea of happy. And happy is very important because right now in this family, nobody's happy. And what is interesting about happiness is that happiness is definitely subjective. And what we teach our children and we teach one another is how to make the other person happy by our behavior. So when we're little and we're starting to explore the world, I discovered something that made me so happy that it was actually beyond happy. It was called uh, joy. So joy is one of the intrinsic uh, emotions that most of us start to feel and thrive from when we start to explore the world. And the minute I started dancing, the minute my dad Uh, even though he was drunk, (laughs) danced with me and I'm six years old. And I remember standing on his toes. Remember people do that. You stand on their feet and they walk around. I remember knowing what I was doing and I stepped off of his feet and then I started to follow him and I was in such joy. So for the rest of my life, including yesterday, because I danced yesterday, I have been dancing to increase my internal joy, the joy that I feel for me. Good news is my mom really supported my dancing. And so she helped me get to dancing school, uh, helped pay for the costumes, and did all these things to help increase my joy. Most of the time what happens is we are, we are told as children what makes the parents happy. So when I or any, any kid, like I remember when, you, you know, you watch those videos of babies laughing and you can't help but laugh. And that same laughter in a car when they're a toddler can be too loud. So all of a sudden, the exact same joy coming out of that child in a car is, hey, quiet down. I have a headache. You're too loud. And now we're teaching them that sometimes their joy doesn't make us happy. Sometimes their happiness doesn't make us happy. So now we have to navigate how to keep mom and dad happy or mom and mom or dad and dad. So yesterday, when I started to hear this resentment, uh, I thought about the three primary emotions. So one is joy. Didn't hear any of that on this call. And the other two are fear and sadness, not anger. I heard a lot of anger. And the fancy word for anger, when somebody isn't doing something you want because you've sacrificed for them, is called resentment. So why isn't anger an, a primary emotion? Why is it that we use it all the time and yet we it's not primary? And it's because anger is like purple. It's made up of the two other primary emotions. Fear and sadness. And when we're kids and we get afraid and we get sad, many times that can make our parents angry. They literally express anger. Stop crying. Or um, don't be afraid. Like you don't have to be afraid. And I was thinking then that if fear and sadness make up anger, then fear and sadness make up resentment. And, and so resentment is what? What did I hear yesterday? We've done so much for her. Da, 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 da. Like, like, what are we supposed to go broke? Because she's not, you know. And I went, whoa, whoa. And I said something to them about resentment. I said, resentment is fear and sadness. It's past fear and sadness. Resentment is usually about, look at what I did for you. Look at all that I've done. And now you are appreciative. And I, I asked them about that and I said, well, you're from a premise that you were supposed to sacrifice everything for your child. And I don't remember in the parental book that that happening. I remember when I discovered that my job was to teach the child how to take care of itself. So this resentment, this fear and sadness um, is a desperate, deep-seated uh, emotion of anger. And I said to them that resentment is like poison. I'm so angry I'm going to get out some poison. I'm so filled with the fear and sadness that makes up anger. I'm going to drink that poison in hopes that you get sick. I won't say die because I don't think anybody wants anybody to die. And they looked at me through that Zoom lens, (laughs) that Zoom thing where we are right now, and they kind of cocked their head like a dog. And they had to think about that for a minute. And as I was on with the mother, I could see the mother's face, look and say, oh, wait a minute. I'm angry at her. I'm filled with fear and sadness because I sacrificed for her. She never asked me to do that. And I expected something in return. And I didn't get it. And, And now... This battle is going on. If this young woman can't create a life for herself, and she's already been trained that she's got to create this life for mom, because mom's did all the, done all this for her, I might drink myself silly. Because it's not my life then, is it? It's really not my life. And so as I sit with this wonderful young woman and we talk about it, she's starting to understand why she's drinking so much, why this this being held hostage through sacrifice and what appears to be devotion is turned into resentment for all three of them. And I do this work because I keep learning. I said that to them yesterday. I said, I do this work because you will continue to teach me and as long as I'm taking a breath, I still want to learn. I still want to change. I still want to create the person I deserve to be and the life I deserve to live. Will I get there 100%? Absolutely not. <laughs> Will I keep working on it? Absolutely. I actually now enjoy, I spell that I-N-J-O-Y. I actually am in joy as I change and I grow and I learn. And one of the things I'm going to make sure that I do is that fear and sadness that makes up resentment, it's not going to be a part of any of my relationships. If I do something for somebody, I don't expect anything in return for that. That's just the way I'm going to be. And I'll tell you this, once I started to do that, once I realized that it's okay for my grandson to struggle, it's okay for my daughter to struggle, it's okay for people I love and no, it's okay for me to struggle then when I do help somebody, it's for the right reasons. It's knowing that I don't have an agenda, that I'm not using that helping to make myself feel better about me, that I'm not finding value in doing something for somebody else. I'm doing it because of my principles. One of my principles is to be kind. So there's many times that I just do a kind thing because that's my principle, not because I'm expecting something in return. Once I started to do that, the amount of resentment, which is fear and sadness, is so low, so unbelievably non-existent in my life. That actually makes me a safer, kinder uh, person to be around and a more honest person. It also makes me really understand when I say yes to something and when I deserve to say no and that I have a right to say no. And I, I'm, I'm hopeful for this family. I really am. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful because I've got three people who want to know because, you know, there's only really two kinds of people in the world. We'd love to think that there's two genders. We'd love to think that, you know, there's two races or three races or five races or whatever. If there's not. There's one race, it's the human race. And gender is on a spectrum. Sorry, it just is. You look up anything in biology and it will let you know that morphing from female to male, which is what happens for babies, is uh, can stop anywhere along that spectrum. So there's not these hard and fast There's only two things, except in one area that I've discovered. There are people in the world who want to know. That's it. They want to know. Like You can actually have a discussion with them and they'll listen to what it is that you're sharing, even if they don't agree with it. They want to know why or they want to know more about you. They may not agree with what it is that you're sharing. They may not agree with something that they're reading and they still are curious. They want to know. They're open to the idea of learning something new, considering something new. And then there's people that don't want to know. God forbid you ever try to get them to take a look at what they believe they know. And even if what they know has been proven as a scientific fact, they don't want to know about you. So they don't want to have that discussion. They don't want to consider why you believe this. They don't want to consider that maybe there's a both. They don't want to know. And most of the time, it's because they already believe they know. So the greatest thing that happened yesterday was I sat with three women who want to know. And they're now curious about one another. They're curious about what they did well. And now they're curious about what they didn't. And this idea of doing everything for somebody, that's not really being kind. And that's not really helping. In fact, you're creating learned helplessness. So the person who's being, you're doing everything for is resentful because you're not doing everything for them now. And they're also afraid. They don't know how to do the things that you did for them. They don't know how to climb that tree. So, if you're not there, that little raccoon baby's going to be the first one eaten because mom's not there to drag it up that tree. So, I invite you all to think about when you say yes to helping somebody and when you say no. Uh, One of the things I did with Logan, um, to this day, I still do it. When Logan says, Gima, will you do this for me? This is when he was younger. I said, well, did you try to do it yourself? Yes, it didn't work. I said, okay, Um, try four more times. So if you've already tried once, try five times. And if you can't figure it out on the fifth time, I'd be happy to come and help you. But I would love you to figure that out. You deserve to figure that out. And someday, they go, oh, okay. And he'd go back and sure enough, I'd hear on the third or fourth time, okay, got it. I know the other one that uh, that I can remember uh, my daughter saying when she was really good. Mom, will you do this for me? No, honey, you get to do it yourself. I want you to do it for you. And she goes, yeah, but you do it so much better than I do. I don't know how many of you heard that thing. You can hear from a spouse, a partner, a friend of course, the only answer I have for that now is, well, if I do it really well, I don't need the practice. You deserve the practice. So these are all things that keep us helping one another take care of ourselves. So we don't end up needing somebody for our own joy, uh, to make us feel valuable, uh, to give us something to sacrifice for. I don't need that. And I I hope that you consider how we help one another and how you're helping yourself. Because I'll tell you the truth, that resentment, that will get you sicker than any other drug, any other thing that you're doing um, to yourself. It, it's, uh, it will really cause physical, emotional, intellectual, spiritual, and financial illness. So that's it. Today, no resentment, no fear and sadness. Nothing about that that allows us to get into that space of uh, doing something for somebody and then punishing them for not doing what we want afterwards. Go out and create some joy and be crazy well. This is Susie Landolfi uh, with, and I'm so, i am I got to say this every time I do this podcast, I'm so grateful for coming home well. It's a wonderful network of uh, podcasts. And so for all the uh, wonderful, the board members and all the other podcasters, bless you for being part of this wonderful network and for a new network that we've done a partnership with, which is about caregiving. So go to the Coming Home Well website, check out what we're doing, check out all the other podcasts. There's a whole bunch of people who want to know on that network. And uh, keep working on being crazy well. Thank you, Calvin Love, for the wonderful theme song, Be Your Best Self. All right. To another time, see y'all be crazy well.